there is a, an, a phobia of Muslims. I think the idea of the pejorative quality of Islamophobia that advocates kind of spin on is, is this idea that the Jewish people were attacked, therefore we need to protect Muslims. Well, the Jewish people were attacked, therefore Muslims shouldn't stand up and talk about what faith is, which is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, I like to take a long view. People used to be afraid of Vikings. Yeah. And uh, now it's your turn. Yeah. It'll, it'll work itself out. The, the idea there is that, yeah, we've been looking at this, this interesting tension between, because what we have essentially is a war between two oppressed minorities. And so, do you want to talk about that? That's something we certainly can talk about. You, know, you it, mentioned about Jordan Peterson. I'd that, that also sounds like a good topic. If we can couch it, you know, in the religion politics sphere in a reasonable way, then sure, absolutely. Yeah. What? What is this? Welcome to Crossing Face, or Christian and Muslim stock religion and politics. Today we have a special topic. It's everyone has an opinion of what's going on in the news. Because we're at the highest, the pinnacle of public discourse. Question is, who is an authority on these on such matters, and should they be making taking a position that influences other people? I think that's there. Right? Is that our topic? Yeah. I don't know. Opinions are like <laughs> nostrils. Everyone's got at least one. Opinions are like navels. Well, it, it's just, it's, what's funny is, is that in this era of, you know, it was Me Too, then BLM, then anti-COVID, then there's all these different causes that ha are, are stacked, Ukraine, and everyone can superficially, you know, put a blue and yellow uh, meme on their Facebook or, you know, buy a t-shirt and then say, this is raw without doing the math on anything. And now we have the most recent, uh, so it's a Shrigatella. Shrigatella is a uh, Italian lobster tail. I mean, you are literally- <laughs> I noticed as I- The term is finger. I, <laughs> don't say it. it. You know, uh, like you just, just, just take this, take okay, this- Okay, so here's what happened. I pulled it apart and I realized that one of us got the short end of the straw. I didn't mean to do that, that piece, but that's what I- that the piece All right. Yeah. Did you that, make, did you make them? I make them every Sunday. Oh man. So this is a day. This is a real- So every Sunday I make them. I will gladly take- Citron regatta. So I had to make the, the citron regatta, I have to make it the night before as a set. And then- Oh, that's great. Right? Yeah. Right this corner right here. That's- This here? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the flakiness. Mm-hmm coupled with the cheese that makes it fantastic. Yeah, you should be a baker or something. I should. Mm -hmm. I should. Put up in a little business. I think you'd do a fair. Uh, I'll gladly take your, your leftovers, your, yeah. your day olds. That's great. Well, you know, we try to sell them as we can, so I only, I only do, I have no idea what my baking is actually like because I only eat day olds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do too. You know, so... My logic is, if it's good a day or two afterwards, mm -hmm. it must be fantastic when, when, when someone comes in. Right. I, I, obviously, yeah. It, unspeakably good. So, but, I mean, you know, toast it up, do a little so-and-so. But, 
I felt that we've been doing this long enough. And then, but anyway, we, 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 you know, we've been talking, I mean, I know Israel, Palestine is kind of, which is saturated the news and, and maybe, and rightly so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things happening in the world and I've always stayed out of the Israel, Palestine thing. It's always felt like whatever needs to be said, has been said, and someone needs to make a decision. But I think in this instance, there's so many, this is the next pause. Ukraine is now a sideshow. Yeah. And now uh, this is, now we're elevated to this point about uh, Israel, Palestine. And, you know, it's in the shadow of the Abra you know, the Abrahamic Accords, which I was involved in, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the film, Amen, 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 that I was involved in. And, and now all that stuff is put aside because we have this, this, this terror attack. We talked a little bit, I think, in the past about, you know, how everybody's saying, do you condemn Hamas? I mean, I, do we release that radio show? Yeah, we did talk about that. Yep. And, and so, you know, my whole day is, you know, they're, they're, they're a doomsday cult. They're not, it's not just condemning them. They're a doomsday cult. You don't want them taking over anything and running it because it would be worse than the Taliban. The Taliban at least have, you know, ethics and rules and morals, even though they might be askew, <laughs> at least they have a logic model. Hamas is a doomsday cult that wants to have a caliphate that wants, that's, that's tied to the Muslim Brotherhood. You know, the Muslim Brotherhood doesn't pull triggers. They have ISIS for that, Al-Qaeda, Hamas, and Shabam and all these guys. And so, do I, am I making a mess? No, I'm just, you know, in, I hate it like you're... In case you wanted to wipe your hand. And, uh, and so Hamas is, they're not, they're not good guys. Yeah. Uh, they're capable of being nice, as you can see with that lady that they released that, that said that they were treated, treated the hostages really well, but that does not transact that they're, that they're good people. But to me, we saw a, a series of things happen in the last last since we last spoke and I mean I shared with you the Jordan Peterson mm -hmm. we, we, you know, conversation and then I just read through Ben Shapiro's you know, kind of you know, list of things you know so I, I I'm not familiar with what Ben Shapiro said um Jordan Peterson's take was that effectively this whole thing uh was Iran inciting Hamas to attack Israel for the purposes of disruption and propaganda right yeah when it comes to ben shapiro he just he basically went to a few colleges he went to cambridge and oxford and he just like hammered a bunch of kids you know which you know that's, I, what, he I, like, that's what he likes to do yeah right? I, I i actually love that you know i actually love to see him like just he's he's like you know he, he he's, he's it's like when uh um the the the, the muslim mma fighter um you know the uh went against um oh god what's his name the irish fighter and he's like i'm gonna smash your boy you know it's just like he rocks in there and he's just dealing with these these sort of naive students yeah and he is just i mean just mike tysoning them just pop pop <laughs> and and lets them talk lets them build this logic model this pyramid scheme and then he just crushes them under the weight of it you know and and I used to do that when I was at the Barrios of Congress. I used to be like that. Of course, we didn't. This is before social media as we know it. So I don't know what's out there on me. 
But he had, you know, it's Ben Shapiro versus University of Cambridge. You don't have to know the subject matter. Islamophobia is a lie. That's a good one. I'd like to talk. We could talk chat a little bit about that. So that's his contention? Yeah. Uh, t- time to cut off your own head to uh, prevent community tension. These are just the titles of his last maybe five shows. Hamas, fifth column, the Democrat, you know, the Democrat. But, which, is, which is true. Um, uh, what I learned at Oxford, that's another one where he was just smashing them. Uh, but, you know, you know, the, the Islamophobia is a lie is a big one. You know, people, what no one really was addressed, really wants to address is that people are afraid of Muslims. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a whole crew of people that smits a narrative that, you know, Muslims are terrorists, that forget about the IRA in the 80s, forget about, you know, anything that a Muslim does is terrorism and is related to religion, but anything that anybody, any other faith does, they're just, they're just a criminal and that there's that element, but people are afraid of Muslims because in 9-11 people are afraid of Muslims when they, there's, there's a terrorist attack. People are afraid of Muslims when Muslims do things and that Islam, that, that there is a, a phobia of Muslims. I think the idea of the pejorative ter- the pejorative al- cont- the pejorative al- uh, quality of Islamophobia that advocates kind of spin on is is this idea that you know the, the Jewish people were attacked, therefore we need to protect Muslims. Well, the Jewish people were attacked, therefore Muslims shouldn't stand up and talk about what faith is, which is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I like to take a long view. People used to be afraid of Vikings. Yeah. And uh, now it's your turn. Yeah. And it'll, it'll work itself out. I just give it some time. It's like, either so. I, I think, I, you know, like I said, the IRA, people were, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm going to burst into flames. No, I, I like the heat. Yeah, I'm wrong. Right. I, I don't know if you're, you know, if there's a little bit of petrol chemicals on the, on the chair and you're like, you're just waiting, <laughs> just waiting for it to ignite. Yeah. Um, no, I think obviously, you're right. There, there, there is this interesting dynamic in our popular culture nowadays. I don't know if uh, if it's um, something new or not, but we do tend to swing for support of the underdog in a situation like this, um, and people don't like complicated situations. Sure. So the thing about uh, Ukraine and Russia is that it didn't appear to be complicated. The appearance of it was that there was an obvious good guy and an obvious bad guy. There and a bad guy we like to hate. Yeah, Russia, yeah. You know, we like, we we have a seventy year history of like of you know being excited about hating the Russians. So for you know a situation like Israel and Palestine, the question about oppressed and oppressor is a lot more complicated and nuanced. And um, that being said, I think that popular media has tried to make it a lot less nuanced. They've really put a lot of effort into that. But it is, you know, an issue that's very divided. There aren't a great deal of people in the United States that are highly sympathetic to Russia. But there are a great deal of people in the, the United States that are highly sympathetic to Israel, right? Um, and so it it certainly is creating this tension here, because on one hand we see what appears to be 
a, an oppressed minority that is suffering needlessly because of these attacks. But on the other hand, we do see these absolutely brutal and inhumane attacks on a nation that many people in America, whether they're Jewish or not, feel a great deal of affinity for and loyalty to. And the idea is, there's also the, the there's, you're right, there's all these nuances of these two oppressed peoples combating each other, and then their, their cultural, ethnic, and religious identity. So I, I reject the idea of it's, it's Judaism against Islam. I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a religious dispute at all. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's a, I mean, it's a land dispute. Period. We have discussed this at least once or twice. And um, I don't know, like, are you, in what you're hearing, are you hearing a lot of people trying to frame it in religious and ideological terms? So in the, in the community throughout my career and my, my both personal and professional life, I mean, I'm at some well, you're Muslim, you, you know, you need to side, you know, this is a, you should side with the Palestinians. And I, I have some very good Palestinian friends. Uh, I, I would say, ten percent of them you can invite to dinner without it becoming political. Mm, yeah. Otherwise, real fast you go down. You can't talk about anything else. And, and it's true. It's like if you settle if you take a position that like American Islamic Congress we didn't take a position on Israel Palestine because if you take a position that ends up being all you talk about yeah you you we every show that we do from now on could be about Israel Palestine because of what's happening on all sides both sides um but certainly what's happened to the Palestinians whether you accept all the slogans associated with them or accept all the so, uh, slogans associated with the Israelis when I if you know if I was going to do an intelligence analysis of of this, I would say we have a land dispute between two peoples. All the other stuff is a sideshow. So you have to figure out, is there a solution to the land dispute? I mean, essentially nobody wanted the European Jewish population. And as you know, it, as so in, in World War One, World War Two, through all that period, when refugees started to float around and people wanted to migrate no one would accept them mm-hmm. uh and so uh and then we the the the, the germans transacted the, the you know final solution the holocaust and then at the end of the war everybody's like what do we do and there was multiple places that were thought about and they said well let's go to the whole another you know about for declaration uh, who was you know no anti-semite who didn't want they didn't want the jews in, in england so, um, so you have this displacement of European Jews, the Jewish community into the Middle East, which are, they're, they're, you know, foreigners. And then you have an indigenous Jewish population, an indigenous Christian population, an indigenous Muslim population. The problem is, is all these nuances happen, right? Where it's like, you know, well, the Muslims only came at this point, so if they're not indigenous and all those covers, it doesn't matter when it it's the here and now. It has nothing to do with faith or religion. It has to do with a population has been placed there during the colonial period. Whether you agree to colonialism or not, it doesn't matter. They're there now. Right. And so you can you can, you know, this this weird slogan from this the 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 the, the river to the sea, the Jordan River to the sea, both say the same thing. You can't like that's 
it's hard to believe that the slogans like that are being said by the Palestinian supporters and the Palestinians and by the Jewish supporters in the Jewish community. How do you? How can you possibly say that? It, it, it makes no. You're, you're in a land dispute. It's not a zero. It, it, you can. It's it, everyone wants to make it a zero sum game, which is your simplicity argument. Yeah. Or you got both sides have to lose in order to gain something. Ben uh, Shapiro we, will say, which is called diplomacy. Right. Well, <laughs> well, like Blinken shows up and says, "I'm here as a Jew." It's like. Come on, man. And now he's trying to go to Muslim countries. It's like, are you here as the top diplomat of the United States or here as a Jew? Yeah. The, what, 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 a, what a piece of trash to say something like that. So stepping back, stepping up just from an, kind of an ideological or theological perspective, the question comes down to, um, it, is this something that is more valuable than human lives? Well, right? No. And that's the answer. No. They, they, it's, they, we have the answer to that. No. Dignity of the human person on both sides dictates that none of this is more valuable than human life. Exactly. So I know that and you know that, but the people who are involved in this conflict have not come to the same decision. They've decided on both sides that whatever it is, the, 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 the land that they're fighting over is more valuable than any number of human lives. Right. Okay, well, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna know. So so uh, okay, so, so we're doing it right now. Room for the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm. This was unexpected, and so I'm just sort of like, kind of studying myself here. Is is this is is uh, is the conversation more important than? Are you comfortable right now? <laughs> I've forgotten what the conversation is. So what I did was, as a, as a as a point a performance art, I moved my chair from the other side of the table, right next to Elliot, and I put my arm around him. Yeah. And he said, "Leave, leave, leave." Uh, was it room for the Holy Spirit? Which I, I still can't get my head around that statement because I just saw a video this weekend about what was it about hugging? Yeah, it was about hugging and dancing. Because I sent you this thing, I go, "Is this real?" Yeah. Or is it a joke? Well, it was a joke, but it's based on something real. So it's a, when you're, I don't, when you're in a in a Christian community, they say hug. Or, or when you go into a dance, there's there's rules. It's a side hug, and then if you're gonna hug, what, what did what did your wife say? A frame, a frame hug, and then uh, and then leave room for the Holy Spirit, which. It, it just how we, how how do you throw around such like the prophets? How do you throw around the the terms of the prophets? Like peace be upon them. They, they, how do you do that? Throw that around so casually? Well, I uh, it's so kind of weird. Like you know, esoteric threesome. It this is a kind of a different conversation, but once you start pulling out um, the the really deep spiritual meanings behind things or the the visceral the visceral spiritual transactions that are taking place as a result of rituals or objects um, whether they be crucifixes or uh, relics things like that um, then at a certain point you could accurately say almost nothing is sacred 
right? And so the reason why I went from the other side of the table to here was because we were talking about dignity of the human person, which is such a big thing. We were talking about life is more important than petty disputes. But in this small office, I move my chair over to here and I put my arm around you. And the first thing we're doing is not talking about Israel-Palestine. <laughs> we're right away, we're like, our, our personal space <laughs> is invaded. And I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah. But that's but that's why is that that's a, a perfect example of Israel-Palestine, uh -huh. is that we can't... I'm going to move back now. I, unless you're really I, No, I really appreciate that. I, but we in, we in this office, we can't do it uh, and not focus on getting each other the hell away from each other. <laughs> because, well, I mean, one is because we're, we're both men, I think. Um, but the other thing is, is it, it's not what we're used to. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to, after this, you're going to run downstairs, you're going to be like, you know, Brit, me, I need to, I need to wash the Islam off of me. He was a little too close. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even know. You know, so, but, but the point is, is that we, in, 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 in a, in a very innocuous, very benign setting, we can it's it, it 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 creates a fissure in in the conversation and the subject matter the important subject matter that we're talking about to advocate for life right so what's happening over there it's not just a land dispute it's you know everyone is trying to talk about history and theology and um uh, you know the, the the right to be there um, I think it's a very difficult argument when you start trying to just use biblical justifications. You know, the, the genetically, the Palestinians have been tested, and they're they have, they're Canaanites, which were there before the 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 the, the Exodus. Wow. Um, so, I think all those claims are are highly dubious. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that they're that the the history. It doesn't matter the colonial history. It doesn't matter about the Balfour Declaration. It doesn't matter if you want to go back to the 67 lines. Bottom line is, is that the Jewish community is there. Israel exists. It has the right to self-determination. And the Palestinians are there. And any attempt to devalue their presence there or their history there is a bankrupt argument. Two, and so somebody, then you need to get some land lawyers in there to figure out what is the proper way to allow for some kind of solution. And and I think Netanyahu has gone from a two state to a single state solution. And but a lot of people advocate for the two state solution. We talked about that at the on the last show. You know. In, you asked the question about the community. There's there's two things that ring in my mind. It's like, well, as a Muslim, you need to support the Palestinians. It's like, no. Uh, but here's the second thing: is that everyone is saying, well, how come the Muslim countries aren't accepting aren't accepting the, the Palestinians? It's like because n that it, it, there's there's foreign population, and they're a destabilizing population. No one wants to say this, but Lebanon's a failed state, or near their failed state. They're tied to the Muslim Brotherhood, which the Egyptians have had a lot of problems with. And Jordan was formed in the Belfort Declaration, and they don't want Palestinians because they try to overthrow their government. Mm -hmm. 
Jordan would be the likely place because it, it's only in existence. Its existence is predicated on the Belfort Declaration. So, but I, again, it's like one of these things where, yeah, you know, what do you do? But the dignity of the human person, how many kids, you know, 50, you know, the 50% of the, the casualties are children. Yeah. And I don't buy into, I know Ben Shapiro has been saying, well, we, you know, they, they, you know, what, what group does, gives warnings to people and sells them that they're going to leave? They go, well, you're telling a million people to move 50 miles, 50% of them are children and move where? Right. Uh, 50 miles for, 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 for a half a million children to walk or move is, it, it's, it's not possible. You know, the Nazis used to do that. The Nazis yeah. used to draw pamphlets and say, we're going to mom you. We used to do it. Uh -huh. You know, we're, we're coming. You know, surrender now. But the bombs are still coming. Right. Let's surrender to, ooh, to where, you know, don't take arms against us. I think that's a terror tactic. I, and I think it's irresponsible to say that, that that's some kind of safety feature in your warning. Right. When you're, you know, when you're leveling, you know, 6,000 houses and, and civilian areas. Um, do I think the Palestinians are harboring terrorists? Yeah. Do I think that they're hiding behind them? Are the terrorists are hiding behind the civilian population? I think you got to look at it from a, if a Palestinian perspective, those guys that attacked the Israelis, it's the first time they're like 20 year olds that this is the first time they've ever been out of Gaza. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 50%, 60% unemployment rate. They do nothing every day. It's the first time they've been out of, been in the real world in, in, you know, in, with a big R. And so, and all this resentment and all this other stuff, it's terrible that the first time they're out, not allowed to immigrate anywhere, not allowed to visit any place, not allowed to do anything, that they, it, it, it manifests into an attack and the worst attack on Jews since the Holocaust, I think. Yeah. Does it, and, and, and I have, as an intelligence analyst, I give some question of whether or not, how it happened, because there's whole brigades in the Israeli army, the idea that monitor those walls. There's cameras on those walls. Do you ever see uh, Eon Flux? Do you ever see that? Do you ever see Eon? I've heard of it. I and it's it's, a, it's one of the first sort of animated series. It's like there's all these. It's like a border, like Eon Flux, Eon Flux between uh, Monaco and uh, and I can't remember the name of the other organization. But they have these. They have they have uh, flying drones. They have these, and they have these automated towers with, with with guns and then they've got cameras on all the walls and everything else if you cut through the wires cut through three you know one wire a light goes off somewhere you know they got the same software that ath that astronomers use to see the different movements of the sky you know so that if any there's any movement it registers and and people like look at what's going on and they say things are moving so it's very peculiar that the attack could happen considering the tight security um, on the Israeli side of the border, it's very peculiar. Um, I mean, you know, unless they're like those guards in World War II movies, those Nazi guards that are just sitting there waiting to get killed. Do Do you have a theory? I don't think that. I don't think the the facts don't support the data doesn't support any conclusions as of yet. But that it's. It's 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 a it's a it's a near impossibility for this 
attack to happen in the way it happened. And then once they're transacting violence on the, the Jewish population, to be able to take 200 some odd captives and then basically walk back to, to, to Gaza unmolested mm-hmm. is damn peculiar. Uh-huh. Damn peculiar. Um, and people say that there was units out of position and there's all kinds of other stuff, but you know, every, every kibbutz has an armory. Every house is, these guys are ready to rock. I've been to Israel. I, I'm you know, friends with members of the IDF. I know people that, you know, are part of the, you know, the Drew Socom and, and uh, Daryl Baton and all these guys. I know them. They're not, these guys are, are ready to rock at any moment. They understand that our country under siege. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's damn peculiar that in a secure a, a high security area you would not have your mobile teams reacting fast. It's not a, not a big country, size Jersey. Uh-huh. So you could you can you could mobilize forces in an hour, yeah, in a half hour, in twenty minutes. These guys, these mobile forces exist, are there, and and we pay good money, meaning Americans, we pay good money for the battle readiness of the Israelis to be what it's supposed to be. Do I understand correctly that a large portion of their funding in that regard comes from the United States? Well, $4 billion. Yeah. Um, but it's not just that. It's you know, like I was watching some of this stuff where it's like McDonald's, people in Jordan are, are, are and, and Lebanon are not going to McDonald's because it's an American company. And, uh, well... I spent some time in Jordan, and and they got the largest USAID grant, uh, the, our, our cooperative agreement. Then one point eight billion dollars over the course of five years. It just ended, but we pay the Jordanian government almost six hundred million dollars a year just to run their government. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so just to run the government, just to keep it afloat, let alone another two hundred million for incidentals. So that you know, we're we're funding a lot of these government. I mean, the same thing with Egypt. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So it seems peculiar that everybody they, they attack McDonald's. I have a soft heart for McDonald's because <laughs> it's everything that's wonderful and terrible about America. So if, if if McDonald's offered me a job right now to open up McDonald's globally in in, in frontier markets, I would. <laughs> I, I, if you're listening, uh, McDonald's representatives, <laughs> like I mean. I love, I love, you know, first thing we do is, is go right to the Kabul airport. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's everything that's wonderful and terrible. But the point is, is that it's, 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 it's peculiar. It's damn peculiar uh-huh. that things happen. They said that there was drone attacks on, 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 uh, that saturated these automated towers, um, that there, that there, that there was, uh, 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 these brigades that that literally just sit and watch every all the equipment to make sure that they're not getting any alerts. Apparently, uh, they were unaware of the the, the the severity of the attack. They talk about units out of position and all kinds of other strange things. Even if even if all that is true, all hell would be breaking loose in multiple control panels, and there'd be multiple people that are overrun and radioing in and saying stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, the rockets that they fire from gods are like, you know, they're kind of like glorified firecrackers. Yeah. So, so if one of those gets shot out and hits a neighborhood somewhere 
and superficially destroys, you know, a, a, a shawarma stand with nobody there. And it's, you know, global news in minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's damn peculiar that an operation like this can be executed uh, with such severity and and Matt with with such with such um, uh, scope that and how it's and not only responding in that way. Not resp- there's no there's no, there's very little response. It would be it, I, I would figure the hammer would be dropped down. But you, you're, you're, they make all these attacks and then walk unmolested back into. The Israelis don't care about how they transact justice, and so the Israelis are are they're they're prepared to take on the the terror of war, as you can see with Palestine. Yeah, but they're they're also prepared to take on the terror of war with their on their own people. If a kibbutz is so is, if there's guys in the kibbutz, uh, uh, terrorists, and they're in the kibbutz and all this other stuff is going on, I don't think the Israelis would make any bonds about encircling it and just annihilating everybody, mm-hmm. including the Jewish people that are there. I, I don't think they, but they would care. Um, there's some reports about how when the kibbutz was attacked and there's testimonies of the people that were there that friendly fire killed a lot of the, killed some of the, the people that were there. The shelling is reflective of tank fire and stuff like that. You know, someone, you know, it, it, I'm not going to transact it, you know, fake news, but that's, a, that's to me, that's, that, that's within the Israeli playbook. That's, that's who they are. You know, they would be like, I'd rather have, I'd rather kill my own people than have them be tortured or raped or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and I understand that. I, you know, I don't, I think that's the proper way to transact warfare. You know, you, sometimes you can't rescue the hostages, therefore, and you can't let it go on. Therefore, you have to end the situation and you have to get rid of the belligerence. So I, I can understand that. I just don't understand why they wouldn't do that in this situation. You, you, you'd, you'd roll up to the bo- to where they where they breached the border. You, you, you put all your, your uh, what is they called? What are they called? Merkabar tanks. And now you've, you you cut off their retreat. They have no line of retreat, and then you're encircling them, and you say, "Give up the hostages." I mean, for two weeks, they didn't even negotiate the hostages. Yeah, that was peculiar too. You don't say, "Give up the hostages," and this, and you want to know what? This is what we're going to do. Instead, they turn off the water and the and so in and electricity, and and that was it. But there wasn't, and it, it was like release the hostages. Me, I'd say, look, tell your leadership to hop, pop on a plane. We're going to meet in in Sicily, and we'll 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 start negotiating peace. Release all the hostages now. There wasn't any of that, right? Which is another peculiarity. But that's not like who does that, right? That certainly didn't happen with Russia and Ukraine. Russia and Ukraine. Well, that's because you you know the. Jake Sullivan steering the ship on that one. He did, he thought land land wars were over in Europe. Um, he believed sanctions would work, even though it's never it would never work. Um, and that's because our our national security advisor is driving the ship on that one. And he he thinks that human beings are something he can play with. So he he 
he thinks he's right. He thinks history will show that he's correct. Well, it's that yeah, the moral justification is the problem. But when that, that that it's different with it's. I know they're I know they're very different very situations. Different but my my point is, ship is then driven by by someone who's completely incompetent and who doesn't know how to do his job. This is this is this is Netanyahu, who may here's the other side. There's the other side. He may have he's more was more concerned about his career and re restoring a power base than he was about national security. And so if I was an Israeli, I would be freaking, I'd be like, this guy clearly is, is not, not care, is not, not for the, whatever he was in the past, he's not now. And I'd be very, very nervous about his, in a national security posture directly related to him. I mean, the buck stops with Netanyahu. So this, like the blood's on his hands. As, a, as the leader of the country and the national security posture that allowed this to happen. Um, because the whole Israeli mindset when it comes to national security is we are going to create a really difficult situation where this could never happen. You know, they, they have this thing where it's like show your presence and they just raid houses randomly and and they have obviously these these walls surrounding Gaza and, 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 and the West Bank and they, they, they impose... Um, or transact a lot of violence over the course of every year, and it crescendos in a in an attack where they drop bombs and level stuff. So I would be I would be very very nervous about his leadership right now, leading to this attack, and whether or not he's more concerned about his career than the national security posture and safety of the Israeli people. Uh -huh. I would be very very concerned. Um, but to your point, where are all the Israeli Palestinian peace? negotiators where are all those guys you know they're, they're paid by multiple governments including israeli government you know the calls for a negotiation or the the hey i'm gonna go and i'm gonna talk to the to hamas about this i'm gonna try to get these guys released so the, the point i'm trying to make you know at a fairly high level is the fact that one has the the or, or can make a claim to the moral justification of a thing does not mean that doing that thing is still justified or is still appropriate. So the fact that Hamas makes this horrible, brutal attack on Israel does, from their point of view, give Israel the moral justification to counterattack in a very extreme and brutal way, but that doesn't make it the right thing to do like and i i think they need permission to do any of no no i'm not saying that's not my point my point isn't that they, that they need permission or anything like that my point is that because these other issues have been propped up as more important than the sanctity of human life then that you know moral justification on both sides is leading to an abominable situation for everyone. And so at some point you have to say, well, okay, you have your moral justification and I have my moral justification, but just relying on our moral justification isn't going to solve this problem. The buck has to stop somewhere right. else. Yeah. That's kind of the point I'm trying yeah. to make. I think we're saying the same thing. It's yeah. Like, you know, we're, you know, there. We can all back the slogans we we like, yeah. And 
again, I don't ascribe to these these ancient justifications for land ownership. I think it's very peculiar. Um, it's like saying because I'm here now, I I own this 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 office, and maybe the rest of the house. You know, well, it, but it's just a matter of these things are just a matter of time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and I've heard anecdotally, for example, that there are laws here in New York State that if a person occupies a house yeah. for a certain period of time, right. you can't kick them out. Yeah. You know, after a period of time has elapsed, things like that. Uh, so it's like, how many generations does a group of people have to be in a particular territory, a particular plot of land, before they can claim some ownership or some right to be there? And when do they jettison? that what that which they came from yeah when does that happen um you know like that's that's another you know and of course there aren't any rule books like humanity was not handed a rule book on solving problems like this and so we solve them subjectively and there's lots of different points of view so for example you know it the to the europeans the Native Americans were indigenous, right? Mm. But that doesn't mean that the Native Americans were here forever. Right. And, and you know, Native Americans, there was they didn't grow come up out of the ground here in North America. Yeah. They migrated here Amazing. from somewhere else. Yeah. And once you get down into it, well, there were lots of different tribes, and the tribes had wars with each other, and the tribes moved around, and so, like. You can you can make these pictures appear to be simple, but in fact they're not simple. And uh, the the only like the only thing that from that standpoint is stopping Native American peoples from saying, "Wait a minute, this is our land and we're taking it back," yeah. is the fact that that people who look like me have not given them that power. Yeah. If they had the power, then they would have both the justification and the ability. Right now, they only have the justification. So my only point is, these things are complicated, and there's lots of different perspectives flying around. And from a vantage point like mine, um, I just can't understand why any of it justifies the taking of innocent human lives. Well, I, I we, Father John and I offered to the uh, Israeli government and the um, and the U.S. government to do a ground assessment because in Gaza there are Palestinian Christians, Jews, and Muslims who are all being uh, under siege, and and there is there's a number of holy sites being destroyed as well. So there's like a fifth fifth century. Orthodox Church that was destroyed and uh, in the bombing, and there was you know, there was no Hamas there. There's nothing, you know, and so uh, there's been outcries of all kinds of other stuff. Because I, one of our focuses, one of my focuses, our focus is our our faith groups, right? Because we're Earth, Ash religious freedom, free religion, belief people. You know, that's my that's one of my one of my that one of my causes, one of the, the missions that that I always stay tight to, and. Uh, and so we were, ta- we were talking about doing a ground assessment of what's go- actually going on there and and seeing what's going on in the in 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 not only with faith communities but 
you know, the general population as a whole. And it was very like superficial. It was like, you can go, but you know, you're, you're going on your own power. So, so there's no, there's no real, real interest to, for someone, for an independent third party to go in and assess what's going on, you know, multi-faith, you know, and I call it John as an, as an Orthodox Christian and to go in and do an independent third party assessment to figure out what is actually going on and what's actually happening. Uh -huh. And in combat zones, I guess it's difficult because, and I, but we've done it before we've done it multiple times and we're, you know, a reliable group, you know, that we're, we're, we're relying on by multiple parties to do such things. Um, but I, I think that when it comes to the moral high ground and when it comes to all this stuff, everything's been washed away. And in this particular situation, the Israelis are, are going to, are going to continue to move and take Northern Gaza. Um, and you know, if I take myself out of all of this, I go, God, what a, it's an interesting windfall. Because there's, because I, I always, I always look at the things. Okay, religion is usually a, is usually not the primary reason for this, right? So to me, it's a land dispute, and I always say, follow the money, right? That's how yeah, follow the money, and then I say, usually there's some kind of business transaction behind this, uh, behind any land dispute uh, or any any kind of issue. Uh, that goes into to war. It's generally that the underlying thing is finances somehow, and so I was trying to figure this out. Uh, and and uh, and I I don't know if I shared it with you, but you know there's there's you know there's oil fields discovered right up the coast of of, of Gaza. Mm. So um, so that so displacing the Palestinians who own those territorial waters at this point would be uh, uh, profitable to get rid of them to someone else. Um, as well as there's this thing called the Ben-Gurion um, Canal, which was uh, to be a rival to the Suez Canal. It was developed, the idea was developed in the 60s, and there was some work done on it, but the idea of having it go through through Gaza and coming out in, like the, 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 I think it's the Bay of Aqaba, coming mm -hmm. out there, so we're not, we don't have to rely on the Suez Canal as much, which is the Egyptians. Yeah. Uh so there, there, those those two things popped up in the back of my head, I, and it was one of those things I, I was trying to remember. I go, is there? Was there? A, you know, is that? And so I looked at the root, and this is obviously a conspiracy theory, I think. But in, in but the idea is the root would go through northern Gaza, you know, and then out and down. I go, well, that. But oil generally is a, a, a motivator for us to go to war. Yeah. Uh, and that's something, you know, petrol is our thing. That's our jam. Well, right now, petrol is what makes the world go around. Yeah. There's no civilization without it. And so it's it would be silly to try to uh, understate how important it ultimately is. Right. The way things are now. Well, let's go, you know, we, like we can circle back to the Jordan Peterson comment at the beginning, and to and, you know, he made this comment. Now, I, I, I respect Jordan Peterson. Um, his whole taking on of the postmodern feminist movement, uh, 
through you know, my upbringing is a product of that. And I didn't, until he started speaking, I didn't realize that there was a, a counter narrative that, that I, I didn't realize there was someone actually fighting for, for rights of individuals like that. Um, um, you know, but, uh, the idea of like the patriarchy, I mean, my mother's a feminist and my, my sister is, is talks about the patriarchy all the time. And people, like you said, ask me about in 2012 when I was negotiating with the Taliban and, and going to the, the provincial councils, they go, well, how, how, you know, the guys from USAID and the PRTs were like, how are you able to do this? I was like, child's play. Taliban went last five minutes on a holiday at the dining room table at my house. <laughs> eaten alive. Um, but Jordan Peterson kind of, it's interesting. He made this tweet that was, uh, you know, about how, you know, that Israelis need to, you know, they need to smash, you know, do whatever. I can't remember this paraphrasing, but they, they need to basically, you know, kill, kill everybody in Gaza. And, and he took a lot of backlash behind that. I mean, my, my text to my, I, I spent the first, I spent the first week of after this attack conducting pastoral care uh, to my Jewish and Muslim friends. Um, and my response in a text to, to my, my response in a text to, uh, to one of my friends, Alex, who's, who's, who's a, a you know, a specific Jew, um, and, and, a, and, a, and very, very close friend of mine, uh, and, and, and colleague, what did I say to him? I said, uh, I said, I, I think I said to them, you know, he needs, he, they, they need to, they need to, they need to hammer, they need to hammer that Hamas. It's, it's like they, they need, they was realized I was like, they need to, they need to, they need to, they need to deal with that. And, uh, that was my first response to him. And, uh, so I don't think it was that much different than, than Jordan Peterson's response. You know, it's like, it's like being, being to hammer Hamas. And that, and that's true. But the nuances of Hamas, which we talked about last time about, you know, Hezbollah is like the Wagner group to what Wagner, the Wagner group is to Russia, which we know now because of the, the Ukrainian war. Hezbollah is to Iran. So there's a direct line of funding and armament and everything else. And Hezbollah is in the north in, in Lebanon, right? Then you have the, this, the Syrian Hezbollah, and then you have the Iraqi Shia, which are not Hezbollah, but they're, there's the Sistanis, uh, which is the largest Shia 12er group outside of, of Iran. And they're, they're not aligned with Iran, but then you have Shia militias that are that are aligned with Iran because the whole south of, of Iraq is Shia. And so those guys, that's the what, fifth or sixth largest army in the world, all armed with U.S. ordinance, trained by U.S., and they're, they're behind Palestine. But then you get Hamas, and Hamas is a Sunni group that gets some funding from Iran, but their command and control is the, is the Muslim Brotherhood, and that's Sunni. And the Muslim Brotherhood is you know, their 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 ideology is is we, we learned in the in the Arab Spring 
Uh, most people are in the Arab Spring. Um, they're uh, a post-colonial political Islamic movement. A friend of mine was on Fox, Colonel Douglas, and he, before I went to Fox News, he asked me about Hezbollah, Hezbollah and Hamas and some of these things. And, and uh and I and 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 they said, you know, you know, people at Fox are really concerned about the second front. And I what what does that mean? Because the second front is, you know, is is Hamas coming across the border, the southern border. So I said, like, the Muslim Brothers are already here. I say, What are you talking about? And he goes, he goes, What do you mean? I go, You have to worry about terrorists going across the border. You got you got Isna, the Islamic Society of North America which has been tied to the Muslim Brotherhood, and and and, and they, they're unindicted co-conspirators. Them and cares, you know, uh, and of of nine eleven, mm-hmm. and they're they started MSAs, Muslim student associations, to sell their brand of political Islam at, at the college level, mm-hmm. and those people are all adults now. Former president of Isna was a Mahmudjid who's an, a Biden appointee at the United States for Actual Religious Freedom. And another board member is the first Muslim ambassador at large for international religious freedom. Yeah. Appointed by Biden. Not appointed by appointed by the president. So so second front that they don't need to come across the board. We're already here. So so is so the challenge is is that these the nuances of these groups within the Muslim community. That's why that this goes back to why people don't want Palestinians. That the, the affiliations with political Islam destabilizes governments, and nobody wants to be dealing with that on, as a result of accepting these groups. Um, and so that's part of this nuanced issue. But if you and I were going to take take this take this on and say, okay, here's a land dispute. What do we do? And and so I I'm the, I. You know, I could superficially say this is a land dispute and this is what's going on. But like where the Jordan Peterson comment, it's like, you know, Iran is directly controlling Hamas to do this and therefore Iran's responsible. It's really not. It's the Sunni organization that's tied to a larger Sunni organization that's tied to, dare we say it, the Saudis. <laughs> and it's a great gaffe. It's like they... Hamas accepts some money from the the, the 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 Iranians. Therefore, the onus doesn't go back onto the Muslim Brotherhood and the and the Saudis. It goes to Iran, and that's why I was a little disappointed with Jordan Peterson's um, ass- assessment of the situation, and uh, because I would I would really look forward to the his he's a what is he a counseling psych he's a a, a clinical psychologist. I would have really appreciated his clinical psychology assessment of it and of the situation and i would have i would have really liked his clinical psychological and theological assessment because he's christian you know and i would have really ex- ex- been excited to hear that yeah so i also respect jordan peterson a lot i had, i've gotten a lot from him um, I, I can honestly say that he changed not my life, but there's there's a there's a moment where he definitely made made me more he, it made me more stable than I I was uh-huh. more confident in who I in who I am and and 
and what I've what I've transacted in my life because of what he said and what he what you know his his advice and guidance, even though we've never spoken, you know, um, you know. So I, I don't. Do you feel the same way? I mean, I don't know. How did he affect you in a positive way? Oh. Uh, he. You don't have to do a deep dive. You don't have to do any revelation. Oh no! Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I'm um, trying to. I'm jumping from one thought to another. So I think that he his um, series on the Book of Genesis was very formative for me because it helped me to see something that was familiar to me and a whole new light. That was an interesting, it was, it was just in serious. You're talking about the, the he, it's like a mini series. Yeah. That he did. Just a series of lectures that yeah. he did. Um, and so uh, just a lot of ideas that I got from him about taking responsibility and facing life and, um, and bearing up under responsibility are things that I really needed to hear at certain points of time. Um, as, as someone who, speaking very personally, has always been quite terrified of life. I wasn't, um, I grew up with two parents and everything, but the way in which I was raised um, didn't prepare me for real life. Well, and they're not or you're yeah. not prepared for life. You just got those books last week. <laughs> and they're not sure. Yeah. So all that to say that, you know, a, a lot of the advice that he orients towards young men, men who are just coming into the world, yeah. um, trying to figure out the best way to operate um, in, in a world that for us and our culture can often be very hostile um, to young men um, was something that was very helpful for me to hear in middle age, yeah. um, as I was reflecting on mistakes that I had made and ways in which I had fallen short or things that had gone wrong and trying to understand why. Um, he comes from a background of psychology and of studying um, tyrants and totalitarian systems that de-emphasize the individual Right. in such a way that group dynamics can be utilized to turn individuals en masse into monsters. And so I think that from that particular perspective, he's always looking for tyrannical and totalitarian systems that pose those dangers. And he sees Iran as being one of those systems. And it is. It, right. It is. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an apologist for the Iranian, Iranian regime at all. I mean, they, they're, you know. And so I think that from his particular sensitivities, he is apt to lend a lot more um, agency to something like Iran than broadly speaking to these sort of loosely connected non-flex, yeah, yeah. non-state actors. Yeah. It's very um, it's, I mean, it's hard to world. parse out. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's my world, so it's like you know, I, I'm, I'm maybe I maybe it's an unfit. Maybe I'm being unfair, unfair to him. Uh, you know, because we haven't 
Well, you know, but but I, but I, the other side is he's like you know he's you know sniper smart. It's kind of yeah. He, he has thirty sorts. I, I I'm always happy to listen to Jordan yeah. Peterson, and I I'm not a stay in your lane kind of guy in the sense that I really do believe that everyone has a right to their opinion, um, and that it can be useful to listen to people's opinions, even if you feel as if they don't have any particular insight into a situation or you if you know that they're you don't like what they have to say well you can still and jordan peterson will say this you could learn something and you should go into every situation with the assumption that the person you're talking to has something to teach you that being said i think that he has demonstrated that he is extremely beneficial in certain areas relating to things like psychology and personal development. And I think that because he has garnered so much well-earned respect in these areas, people are turning to him for opinions in other areas where while he's certainly entitled to his opinion, I think it's probably given a little bit more gravitas than it necessarily merits. And I don't want to make that a blanket statement, but in this particular case and in some other cases, um, I have personally stopped watching and listening to Jordan Peterson as much as I used to simply because I often see him wading into things in which I feel somewhat embarrassed for him in the outcome. And that's uncomfortable for me. Yeah, I, well, like I said, I would have loved to get his, gotten his his assessment of, you know, take let, let's take you know, let's take the actors, you know, from his perspective, from his from his vantage point, and the, the durability of his of his assessment probably would it would be it probably be a, a strong a strong durable model. He took right and says, okay, Turkey's doing this, Iran's doing this, the Saudis are doing this, America's doing this, the Israelis are doing this, the Palestinians are doing this, the Egyptians are doing. This. You know, and take his, you know, his, his, what, what is, what is he? What's the term? I keep clinical psychology. Clinical psychology. Yeah. And clinically psycho psychologize the whole thing. Oh, you know, on, yeah. Like that would, like that, that would be like one of those Jordan Peterson, you know, spire webs that ends up being like a, you know, a, 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 a really kind of neat tapestry. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it, it is like, it was just a lazy kind of assessment. And, uh, and, and so, but I understand that this is like my world, right? So I, you know, you have a tendency to kind of slam people. Well, I have to, yeah, I have to honestly say that if I had watched that clip without your input into it, um, being someone who respects Jordan Peterson and understands him to be a very intelligent and well-informed person, I might have allowed that to shape my opinion um, in a much more direct way than I ultimately did. I mean, and and I would have to say that, like so many things, I I hold it in something of a suspended state, where yeah, it's 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 possible. I don't really know, um, and and there's so much that I don't know or can't know, uh, or don't have time to know. That um, I'm just going to say that. I mean, I'll tell you what I'm nervous about. So this is what they're saying. So. As was like the Wagner group, right? I use that term. It's it's very loose, but that's the way to look at it. Um, I'm more nervous. Like Hamas, I again, I we walked we we walked through the how I question 
the how the attack occurred from an intelligence perspective, right, and an national security perspective, and then on top of that, while the violence is being transacted, and these the the Hamas being able to kind of cross the border back with prisoners, that I really have questions about. But again, the disconnect between the command and control with with Iran is 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 apparent. Um, if you look at, and we'll post this in the notes, the capabilities of Hezbollah, you know, what Wagner is to Russia, Hezbollah is to Iraq. They, they have the ability to launch, not like firecracker-esque missiles, real ordnance against the Israelis. And they haven't done it thus far. And they have direct command and control to Iran. Uh, the Iron Dome, the Israelis are running out of ordnance. We've given them just about 400. They requested to us all of our stuff for their Iron Dome, and we've given them about 400 missiles. It's very expensive for the Iron Dome to work. Yeah. Uh, and what... Where Jordan Peterson may be correct about this is that the Iranians have manipulated Hamas to launch their firecracker-esque missiles to deplete the Iron Dome to the point where they have 160, 170 of their own missiles left and they need to ask for ours, which is about 400. So they have roughly six, 700 missiles uh, for the Iron Dome to deplete their stores and the global stores of that ordinance so that Hezbollah can launch actual missiles. We're talking about, um, I guess we'll post it in the notes and none of this stuff makes any difference, but they have... Um, an arsenal that is um if you, when, once you look at the show notes you'd say oh my god like real steve soapworm-esque type missiles that could hit multiple targets within a, multi a couple of meters and and obliterate cities in in israel and if that's the the, the iranian plan yeah well they're they're they're, they're it's been pretty smart. I don't know if the Hamas forces were acting on their own accord because they've recruited such, they recruited foreign fighters. And once you get a certain critical mass of foreign fighters, these guys just do things. Yeah. You lose control of your organization. That's what happened in Syria. And that's what happened with ISIS. Well, from my my relatively uneducated outsider's perspective, the thing that stands out more, most strongly to me about this situation is that whatever um, justification or mo motivation Hamas had for doing what they did, they could not have expected any other outcome than the one that happened. It was the only possible outcome yeah. was the absolute devastation of Gaza. Yeah. And so absolutely right. Whatever they say, whatever anybody says, 
that is what they must have expected to happen. And we have to ask, why? Why did they want to produce that outcome? I'll tell you why. Because the Muslim Brotherhood is their command and control. They don't pull triggers. And I told you who does pull triggers. Yeah. And so- So it was a proxy. So the Muslim Brotherhood has had MSAs in, in this country for you know, 30, 40 years, Muslim Student Association. Those students are protesting all throughout the campuses, um, supporting Hamas, a doomsday cult. Yeah. It's insane. And so at American Islamic Progress, we had Project Noor, which was an alternate college, Muslim college group. It was actually a multi-faith group, but it was. And so, you know, if you go to Muslim Student Associations and you sit there and they'll say, well, it has to, that the leader has to be Sunni. It has to be this guy. It has to be a certain ideological, theological background. And that's the guy who's the president, right? Yeah. And and uh, and th th there's a there's a gender role situate. There's all kinds of other things there, and so these groups are the were the sole references on of of the Muslim community in Islam to any of the outsiders. So uh, for for years and years and years, uh, when I was in charge of uh, Project Noor, we had 95 campuses all over the country, and our biggest problem were the MSAs. They would transact violence they would be uh, 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 constantly trying to jockey for position with the administration and um and among other social other groups you know volunteer groups and imagine you have this other group this 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 see so you have this rigid organization right that's 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 political islam and then you have project nor which is you know the idea of you know people of the book and and uh, um, there's there's no compulsion in Islam and all these other things. And then you have this multi-faith perspective. So you have different faith groups involved, um, female presidents of the Project Enforced chapters. Um, so so you had it was it was a it was a strange it was an alternate space, right? And for the multi-ethnic, multicultural, intra-faith American Muslim community, and so dealing with that for years and years and years, I can see that in the absence of those chapters and the long history that this would be, um, that the camp school campuses wouldn't be what they are. Yeah. Because there, there's a particular anti-colonial ideological perspective and there's a softening of the interpretation of who these entities are. You know, Moss in their charter says killing of Jews eradication in the charter set up a caliphate in in, in you know in all from the, from the river to the sea um that that's that's who they are like i wouldn't i wouldn't be welcome i'm a shia smiley i wouldn't be right i wouldn't be welcome uh -huh. you know um and i don't know where i would be in iran i don't know how welcome i would be in iran. i'm shia but i'm not their kind of shia you know so um, but uh, but from a Christian perspective, this is fantastic because at the end of days, is it not? I'm having a hard time. Like, I know you're being cheeky <laughs> when you ask that. And it was certainly something that kind of came up um, when the attack originally happened and stuff like that. Um, I don't know to to what extent um evangelical christians are continuing to maintain that this is 
um, you know, something that's leading up to the end times or something like that. It's, it's, I, I would have to kind of, cause you'd have to rebuild the temple, wouldn't you? Isn't that the thing? Right. Nothing. Right. And there's no plans for that unless you get rid of the Alaska, Alaska Moss and. Yeah. And so, I mean, theoretically, if this situation were to become one in which the, uh, the Israeli government took such a firm hand over the situation that they basically uh, eliminated Islam from the territory, um, then that could theoretically put some pieces in place that uh, evangelicals maintain are necessary in order for Christ to return. Hmm. Um, so it's a, so so again, we take the theology out of this. It's yeah. essentially a land dispute. And the idea behind the land dispute, we, you know, there's there again, there, you know, you, you get, you superficially make a decision that is not a, that, that's, that neither side likes, but is agreeable because it ends violence and preserves life. And I understand, I understand the perspective of both sides. It's like, you know, if you take the, the, if you take, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, ben Shapiro's. Doesn't matter where they are. If they're close to the Israelis, that's it. They're going to transact violence on us and want it all, mm -hmm. you know. So therefore, we have to take it. Justifies us of taking it all, you know. And so, and all these past agreements never came through. So, because the past agreements never came through, that is what you know, then we need to now act because of this the the the, the Hamas attack. Yeah, which under, which in other contexts would be labeled as something of a victim mentality that regardless of how true it is, is unhelpful in making correct decisions. Yeah. And then, and then from the, but, and then the other side, you know, the other side says the same thing. So, you know, I said in the last show, you know, you make, draw an arbitrary line, maybe give the, you know, the Palestinians in the North and the, the you know, the North, you know, and then the, 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 uh, the Israelis, the South, and you do this, but you, you would, you would be, I understand the Israeli perspective. You'd just be extending Hezbollah's territory to a, a southern, a southern, a, a more a position that's more southern than it is, and they'd be able to have a, a, a strategic advantage against against the Israelis. So there's 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 virtually no solution to this problem. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think that, I mean, we can talk about it theoretically all we want. If my kids are fighting over what to watch on TV, eventually, and and they can't resolve the dispute, then I'll come in, I'll take the remote, and I'll put on a third thing. Right. You know. Well, that was my thing. A third party needs to come in exactly. and make a decision. But, but then you got you're transacting something against the Jewish population, something against the Palestinian population. I shouldn't say Jewish, Israeli population. And we don't have anyone who has like that accepted authority. It's not like the United Nations, for example, has the teeth to do something like that. Right. Well, and, and we can't ever do something you know, like that. I don't think America would. would no, because we're going to just fund whichever party it's more expedient to fund. It's, it's so. Yeah. We're how what? So how was the, how was the, uh, the shrink of that? That was fantastic. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had that before. No, that's really amazing. No, so it's a lot to do. Yeah, and so I don't know. It's it's like it's it's one of those things. I think I, like people like you and I, we're just sitting there and just take a breath out, and you're like, uh, 
because all these people, the suffering that's happening, it doesn't, if there's nothing you can do, there's nothing you can do. Right. You know, I can still participate in my humanitarian efforts. I can still, we still can talk like this. I can you still, you know, help on both sides. Like I said, I was doing pastoral care on both of them, to some of friends and stuff. But does it, there's, you know, how do you, how do you, every, uh, you know, you're just slinging opinions. Yeah. That's superficial in itself. It's, well, of course, my opinion is that, uh, you know, we should be putting all of our effort into creating artificial general intelligences so that we can then hand all these problems over to them. Maybe we can talk about that next time. We, we have had our chance. And look how it's gotten us. <laughs> That's accurate. <yeah. laughs> I love it. You're like, you're like, you're like Skynet. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, <laughs> it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be better. <laughs> I, that's that you're you're a sci-fi writer you should write about the communities that are in the terminator series like there's like these idyllic um uh, communities that that skynet has built for humans that just want to hang out and not fight against them i didn't know that i just made that up okay yeah all, all right you're saying you should write that yeah that's sci-fi writer they're... you know like these people that are just living their lives and they're looking out the window they they see like those things that are running over the skulls. I don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. I remember the first scene of of Terminator, and I'll go, I, you know, you, you know, that, that all humans rebelled. <laughs> like it's, you know, they want to kill all humans. They don't want any of them. Yeah, you know, like so. So maybe you know, there couldn't be a couple guys who are like, no, this this Terminator factory, this new Terminator factory, is fantastic. Have you seen the the hot chocolate machine? The dining facility, the meat fact is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, meanwhile, the I don't, what's the guy's name that's fighting against that that, that goes back in time? He's they, John Connor. John Connor, you know, is fighting, is duking it out, and his cousins, you know, you know, trying to get that beach house, you know, in wherever. Yeah, well, I, working in the factory. I feel as if I posed a, a serious opinion, and you're not taking it seriously. But I, I forgive you. I love, love how you just, I, I'm all of a sudden devalued. Like, <laughs> I can't just enjoy the conversation. We can't, you know, your serious opinions acquiesce to AI right now. You know, everyone needs to lie down in the middle of the street. <laughs> it's, you know, like, it's like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing here anymore. You know, I, you know that's, that, I'm going to show up next week and it's just going to be some AI thing on your phone. And it's going to be like, you know, it, you know, you're, it, Elliot, Elliot is having a snack right now. You know, but I'll be transacting this conversation crossing base with you. Yeah, that's the certainly the eventual goal, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Well, this has been Crossing Face with a Christian Muslim talk religion politics. Uh, crossing Face is a uh, co-produced by the two of us, you know, Elliot and JP, and and uh, the lead in music is by Vibra Temple. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. And healthy amount of help from AI as well. Sure, you're not.